0: Well, I hope you had as good a week as I did. I had an opportunity this last week to take a few days off, and my son was playing in a high school baseball tournament, so I, I spent just a couple of days mostly watching high school baseball. I had a lot of fun doing that, and so it was a, a good week for me. It was a good week to take a few days off. You know, we were leading up to uh, to Easter here at Wallula, and, and a lot of goes into the planning for that and, and, and pulling that off. And there's even a list of, you know, projects and chores or whatnot little little jobs that need finished on campus and so we do our best to kind of compile a list leading up to Easter these are the walls that we might want to freshen up with paint or you know the, this is a pothole that needs filled in the parking lot and and uh, so many of you helped out with those uh, tasks leading up to Easter so we appreciate you uh, you know painting painting and, and filling potholes and, and fixing the mailbox and just all kinds of stuff that uh, little jobs and projects that, that had to be taken care of and, and appreciate your service in that way. You know, when you compile a list like that, even at your house, right, you compile a list of, of projects or jobs that need accomplished and there always seems to be a project or two or whatever that is left off the list for whatever reason. And then you get to, you, you come around to that project and you realize, oh man, I really should have done that. And it's no different here on on campus. Uh, uh, To make a long story even longer, we, you know, in the fall, I think we put some mulch on the preschool playground. And so we had a, a delivery of mulch here and it happened to rain before they delivered that mulch so we put it in the parking lot and then it snowed every weekend all winter long do you guys remember that and and so there was a pile of mulch in the parking lot and maybe some of you saw that maybe you didn't notice that and uh, I sort of noticed it every time I drove drive, drove by it over here but I don't always drive around here every day at work and and so uh, that Saturday leading up to our first worship service. I had parked in the parking lot and I'm like, oh, there's that mulch in the parking lot. We should have, I I meant to have some folks come help move that. People would have done that. And then I thought, oh, it's just, it's a small pile, you know, and and there's lots of time. I was here in the morning on Saturday and I thought, well, there's, you know, we have a lawn tractor here with a little trailer. I'm just going to get that and I'm just going to move that pile of mulch and that would be no problem. I don't know if you uh, are a poor estimator like I am. But I, I, I have projects like this in my life. You know, you know, I look at the project and I think, this is going to be so easy. This would be 30 minutes or an hour or whatever. I estimate, the, you know, this is going to be no problem. And that's how I approach this. You know, no big deal. I'm going to get this done real fast and, and then it will be done. And so I, I got the tractor and put the trailer on it and drove around with shovel and I started to to load mulch into that trailer and and you know the top of that mulch was all kind of dried out from the sun and it was light and I was going this is no problem this is going to be an easy task and I'm loading up that trailer and I load up the trailer and I load up the trailer a little more and I, I load up the trailer as high as I think I can possibly load it and then I look at the pile of mulch and I thought huh because I, you know, I had loaded the trailer and there was still this big pile of mulch. And I thought, well, this is a little more difficult than I anticipated, but no problem. And so I emptied the trailer and I came back and I loaded the trailer up and I got done loading the trailer up and then I looked at the pile of mulch and I thought, huh, it, You know a little more work required and so I emptied it and came back and I loaded it up and I I realized that somehow You know the moisture it was all it had seeped into this mulch somehow and the mulch was much heavier Than when I started and I was loading the trailer up and I drove back and I I looked at the pile and I thought huh, and I did that a couple more times or whatever and I Moved the pile of mulch you can still see because at the end. I just thought well, that's good enough You know, we're gonna be done with this today. I was a poor estimator of how much work of how much time of the effort, and then I woke up on Sunday morning uh, to come in for Easter services, and I got out of bed, and I thought, man, my back is kind of sore. What in the world? Why is my back sore? Oh, yeah, you're old and fat, and you moved a pile of mulch. (laughs) And so the cost, you know, the, the cost of moving that pile of mulch was was uh, more than i had anticipated i mean i don't you know it's no big deal i lived through it don't tell sherry i can live through stuff like that but i lived through it and and it's not that big a deal but the it was longer it was more work than i anticipated it was harder than i expected right and the cost was higher I, i'm not sure if you encounter projects in your life uh, like that i i often do i'm 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 really good at making projects much more difficult than they need to be maybe and, and uh, maybe underestimating the uh, cost of that project or the length of time that that project will take and, and uh, we, we talked last week about Easter and the fact that Easter makes all things new and we're going to talk about all the things in this series that Easter makes new and take a look at those and, and Jesus offers us this new life And there is good news that this new life is an awesome life. Jesus describes it as the uh, life to the fullest. The life that is truly life is amazing. And it it is also harder than sometimes we expect. And the cost is also sometimes higher than we anticipate. Uh, Jesus, though, he didn't hide that from his disciples. He doesn't hide that from uh, you and me. He laid it all out. In fact, leading up to this last week, the last week in his life when he went to the cross and he was buried in the tomb and he rose on that first Easter Sunday, leading up to that, Jesus makes this shift in his ministry where he begins to unpack these ideas That he's going to have to ultimately die on a cross. And that he's going to raise from the dead. And he begins to explain that to his disciples. And he begins to explain this new life that it will offer. And, And he promises that we, just like his disciples, can live this new life that he is offering to us. He, he explains this new life to his disciples in Matthew uh, chapter 16, beginning with verse 21. And we're going to take a look at this uh, explanation that Jesus offers uh, for this new life and in Matthew chapter 16, verses 21 through 28. And I think this section of Scripture uh, highlights for us three principles that must be present for us to live out this new life. They've got to be present in this new life. If you have your Bibles, I'd love for you to open them up to the 16th chapter of the book of Matthew that's just the first book that's the first gospel in your new testament matthew mark luke and john Uh, chapter 16 we're going to take a look at verses 21 through 28 as we uh, unpack these three principles that that must be present in this new life that jesus talks about if you uh, grab one of those welcome packets, there's an uh, outline on the back of the bulletin. Uh, you can fill in the blanks as we discuss these three principles. That's cool. There's also a page number at the top of that outline that will take you quickly to Matthew chapter 16. in one of the Bibles you can find in the chair backs around you. Matthew, the 16th chapter, beginning in verse 21. This is what God's Word says. You are a hindrance to me, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. Then Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his life? Or what shall a man give in return for his life? For the Son of Man is going to come with his angels in the glory of his Father, and then he will repay each person uh, according to what he has done. Truly I say to you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom." All right, three principles that I think this section of Scripture teaches us that must be present in that new life that Jesus offers. Principle number one is that uh, this new life means a new mindset. This new life means a new mindset from that time jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and the chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised from that time it is a shift here in the gospel of matthew as you're reading through matthew leading up to this point in in, in jesus ministry there's all almost been sort of this this mystery about jesus ministry and we're, we're left unsure as readers about whether or not jesus fully understands his mission and purpose. And, and we could debate and argue about that, but at this point in his ministry, it all begins to become clear. It's like this landmark in Jesus' ministry, this signpost that says, okay, now we're heading in this direction. And we've all experienced those kinds of signposts in our, our, uh, our own lives. You know, my son's getting ready to graduate. He'll graduate in a couple of weeks. I suppose high school graduation might be one of those landmarks in your life that, you know, teachers say, okay, it's going to be different from now on. You're parents say okay it's going to be different from now on you know your life will shift it'll change direction after graduation maybe marriage in some people's life is this change in direction okay your life is going to be different or the birth of that first child people say your life changes after a child there are these landmarks in our lives where our life sort of shifts and jesus ministry shifts it it changes direction his purpose becomes more and uh, more abundantly clear uh, as he tries to unpack this and help his disciples discern exactly what his mission and purpose was going to be. So from that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed, and on the third day be raised. That's his mission and purpose. You know, it's interesting that as you read through the Gospel of Matthew, every time Jesus predicts, he he predicts several times his death. And every time Jesus predicts his death, it is always accompanied by this, and he'll be raised. The resurrection always follows. It always goes with this this promise that it's this huge... a promise and, and a celebration that we ought to we ought to remember, but sometimes we lose track of, of how much God has intervened and changed in our life, and, and it's just hard to see the things of God, and that's the trouble that Peter was having here in Matthew chapter 16. Verse 22 says, and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, far be it from you, Lord, this shall never happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan, you are a hindrance to me, for you, not, you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. Uh, There's all sorts of of, uh, things that are interesting about this uh, conversation between Peter and Jesus. Uh, Peter, just a a few moments ago, had been rewarded he'd been lifted up you know as as somebody who was speaking the words of God you just go back a few verses in in chapter 16 where Jesus is asking you know who do people say I am in verse 15 he he said to them but who do who do you say that I am Simon Peter replied you are the Christ the son of the living God and Jesus answered him blessed are you Simon Barjona for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you but my father who is in heaven you're speaking the words of God. You're, you're seeing this from a heavenly perspective. Just, just a couple of verses ago, Jesus said, you got it. You've been paying attention and you see this clearly. God's revealed this to you. But in this conversation that we're dealing with in, in chapter 16, verse 22 and 23 and 24, uh, Peter misses the mark. He, 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 he can't see it. And, and it's not... It, you know it's hard to blame peter right he comes to jesus and said no we don't want you to die there's got to be some other way we've got to figure this out some other way we can't let this happen to you and jesus response is amazing you know it's amazing get behind me satan you know sometimes when jesus talked with peter he would talk to peter and he'd say simon You know, that's how you could tell that Jesus was upset with Peter. It's kind of like when your mom uses your middle name. You know, Jesus would go back to to Peter's given name before he changed it to Peter, and he'd say, Simon, aren't you paying attention? Don't you know this? But Jesus doesn't just go back to Simon. I mean, he takes a jump, a leap. You know, this is a massive step backwards or forwards or whatever it is from being upset enough to call Peter Simon. Get behind me, Satan. The enemy. The adversary. Because if you're not seeing from God's perspective, if you're not fully engaged and all in, and paying attention from from God's uh, eyesight, line of sight, then you're not only uh, in the way but you're a hindrance jesus says to peter for you're not setting your your mind on the things of god but on the things of man you know god acknowledges that it's really hard to see things from his perspective and in isaiah the the prophet Isaiah said this in chapter 55, verse 8 and 9, he said, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Right? If, if Scripture has one job, then one of Scripture's biggest job is to, is to point out to us that there is one God and that none of us are Him. Right? The, the, this big big creator sustainer redeemer god is awesome and holy and loving and right he's a big big god and to fully understand him to fully get him to to see the whole picture it's impossible for us to do it's really hard for us to see things from a heavenly perspective and jesus is saying to peter you've got to get you've got to try to see this from my father's perspective this is my mission, this is my purpose, this is what he'd have me to do. You know, it leaves me asking, you know, how am I supposed to see things from that heavenly perspective? What can I do to see things like, like God sees things? You know, we're lucky because, he, he, first of all, he sent his son Jesus into this world, and, and that allows us to have a relationship with, with our Creator God. It allows us to have a relationship with Jesus. That's an amazing thing. You know, not for, for nothing, but as you read this conversation, and, and it, it, did you catch it in verse 22? And then Peter goes to Jesus, and he rebukes Jesus. The rebuke is kind of in the wrong spot, isn't it? You know, it's Peter rebuking Jesus, and when Jesus, you know, he rebukes Peter, I guess, that word should have been used for Jesus in a conversation with Peter. You know, he's the only one that has that right to rebuke. We don't have the right to rebuke God, and yet he allows it. You know, there are things that go on in our life that are uncomfortable, that are sad, that are terrible, that hurt us, that make us angry with God, and he allows it you know he doesn't leave it he doesn't say well it's okay it doesn't matter jesus corrects peter but this relationship is an amazing thing that allows us to to learn more and to know more about god we're we're lucky that we have access to that relationship and we have access to growing that relationship through god's word you know, we can study His Word and learn more about who He is and what He wants in our life. And so the first thing we can do if we want to see things from a heavenly perspective, if we want to see things from God's perspective, is that we can be serious about studying His Word. We've been working our way through this 100-verse challenge here at Wallula Christian Church. Some of you are doing that. I, I've been doing that. And I have, to, I have to confess that I'm a couple weeks behind right? And I just just say that to let you know something that you all know already. Look, I'm not perfect, right? I don't have it all together. And it's okay if you're a couple weeks behind. It's okay if you haven't started yet. I mean, jump in. Get started. You don't have to use that list that we're using and those verses that we're memorizing, but be serious about being in God's Word and, and hearing from it and then hiding it away in your heart. You know, scripture says, uh, you know, I hide your word away in my heart so that I might not sin against you, so that I would know what you would have me do, so that I could see things from your perspective and I could move in that direction. So we can be serious about studying God's word and even hiding it away in our heart so that we can rely on it when difficult situations arise. You know, we, we can see people uh, from God's perspective. We can see things from that heavenly perspective when we, when we begin to listen more carefully to others. And, and even when we pray for others, rather than just uh, ignore them, or rather than, you know, maybe argue or, or fight or whatever it is in, in difficult relationships, if we pray for the people that bug us, you know, I, I just think it's really hard th- to have them continue to irritate us to the point of of anxiety or something. You know, God is going to change our perspective. I believe that. You know, I, it happens all the time. I, my, my son Clayton is graduating, and so he's doing these scholarship stuff. He, ha- he had to go give a speech, a uh, speech competition for a scholarship. And so I drive him to this, this speech competition, right? And, it, it, you know... It, it, Our family, we're kind of competitive. And so, you know, you say the word competition, and, like, we want to win. And we go to this competition, and Clayton's going to give this speech. And I'm sitting through these speeches, listening to these young men give these speeches. And Clayton was sort of at the end. And by the time Clayton got up to speak, I'm like, it's a good thing I don't have a vote. Because I'm voting against you, son, right? I mean, these stories were, these were amazing stories. These were amazing stories. And it just got to the point where, yeah, that kid, you know, he needs it more than you. And that kid, he needs it more than you. And that kid, he needs it more than you. You know, give the scholarship to somebody else. Right? That, from just a purely worldly perspective, that's a wrong attitude to have, huh? But your perspective is changed when maybe you listen closely to people. And man, your perspective is changed when you pray for those folks that we might even characterize as enemies, you know we can we can see things from a more heavenly perspective when we when we hide His word away, when we when we pray for our enemies, and then when we serve others, even when it's hard, just like Jesus uh, served. Uh, you know, He 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 came uh, not to be served but to serve, and He served in these extraordinary ways. You know, ultimately dying on the cross while we were still sinners. He died in our place. New life means this new mindset, seeing things from uh, this godly perspective, and and up to this point, Jesus' ministry has gone kind of in this direction. But now he's he's putting in this fence post, and he's saying, "Okay, folks, this is my mission. This is my purpose, and you need to see things from from." This godly perspective. New life means a new mindset. Principle number two is that this new life means losing your life. All right, Jesus sets up this weird kind of dichotomy here, and we're going to unpack it a little bit. In verse 24, uh, this new life means losing your life. Verse 24 says, Then Jesus told his disciples, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his life? For what shall a man give in return for his life? If anyone would come after me. That's an interesting way to phrase this. If anyone would come after me. You know, Jesus just almost can't believe it. Oh, If anybody would pick up this cross, if anybody would take this risk, if anybody would accept this challenge, following me won't be easy. In other words, Jesus is saying. You know, he's just upfront with us. This new life is amazing. It's life to the full. It's what I promise, but I also promise it's not going to be always easy. It's not always better bed of roses or whatever. It's going to be hard. Sometimes it's hard because there are just so many distractions around us. You know, summer is coming, and, and summer in our house means baseball and softball. My daughter Zoe's playing on a softball team. She, she's getting new uniforms, so she needed to try on some softball uniforms. Her coach sent a text, hey, could you come and try on these uniforms? I'll meet you at the parking lot, at the Walmart parking lot. And I thought, well, that's a little weird, but that's the life we live. We're going to drive to the Walmart and try on some softball pants. That'll be fun. So we said, Sure, we can do that. And so we, we go drive to the Walmart parking lot. And, and, and as I'm entering the parking lot, you know, I, I don't know exactly what I thought, but there are a lot of cars in the Walmart parking lot. And I'm, I'm looking around for what we remembered that this coach drove. And I'm driving around. I don't really see exactly which one it is or whatever. It doesn't make sense. So I say, Hey, Zoe text your coach and ask her where exactly we should meet her in the Walmart parking lot. And so we're communicating and coach responds, uh, you know, I'm in the store, I'm coming out in just a second though, I have a bright yellow shirt on. I think, okay, this is easy. And so I'm doing that thing where I'm driving up and down the, the rows of, of cars in the parking lot. Have you ever done this? You know, you're waiting on somebody, you just drive up and down the rows of, of cars. Maybe I'm the only one. And so I'm doing this, and I'm, I'm driving up and down and, and, and looking for a yellow shirt. And then I realized for the first time in the history of Walmart, there are multiple people in the parking lot getting carts and returning them to the store. And all of these people are coming out of Walmart and pushing carts and to get carts and push them back to the store. They have these bright yellow safety vests on. And so I see these yellow shirts come out and I'm, I'm driving, I'm doing my NASCAR. You know, we got to follow this person. Nope, they're getting carts. You know, I'm looking for these, these people in bright yellow shirts and there are a multitude of people in bright yellow shirts. Okay, maybe like three, but you know. All right, and not only that, but there are other people who are driving to park their cars and to pull out. And so you're navigating through all of these distractions in this, like cars and shoppers in the parking lot, to find a softball coach with a bright yellow shirt on. And sometimes following Jesus is like trying to follow that bright yellow shirt. There are so many distractions going on. Sometimes they're really great distractions, and sometimes they're really terrible distractions but they all can serve that same purpose of leading us in another direction from that heavenly perspective, from that relationship with Jesus. Sometimes it's hard to follow Jesus just because it's so risky. You know, there's a risk to our relationships, to to maybe our our job status even. There's a risk to to just uh, life when we follow after Him. And it's hard to take that leap that jump, and to say, I'm going to keep going. Uh, we grew up uh, uh, on, at my folks' house. We had, my folks had this stand-alone garage, and on the back of the garage, for some reason we had built this cage on the side of the garage, and, and all week long I've been trying to remember what animal did we have in this cage that was built on the side of the garage, and I can't remember. I feel like a bad person. Maybe it didn't end well for the animal. I don't, I don't know. I couldn't remember. But there was this box... This cage that was built onto the side of the standalone garage. And as a kid, you used to be able to, to move a barrel over by this cage and then get on the barrel and then get on the cage and then get on the roof of the garage, which was great fun for a 10 year old kid because you can get on the roof and say, I'm on the roof. And so that was a good time and we would do that. And uh, there's one time we we're on the roof and my brother says, You know what would be fun is if we just jumped over the cage onto the trailer that's parked over there let's just jump off the roof onto this trailer and i thought that's that's nuts you know i'm not going to do that and my brother went and he jumped and landed and like look it works and he said okay now it's your turn and i'm like are you out of your head it was way too risky right i'm i'm leaning over and he's making fun of me because i'm leaning over like usual to get to crawl down off of the roof like a sane person it was too risky and sometimes following Jesus just seems too risky. Uh, you know, that's, that's how Jesus describes it. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me you know preachers will say okay denying yourself that means you know there are some things god doesn't want you to do and maybe we need to avoid this or that or 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 you know sacrifice and serve others but i i have to tell you that when jesus spoke these words to his disciples in that audience when he said deny yourself and pick up your cross and follow me when he spoke these words to Jewish men living in Roman-occupied Judea, right, they understood that as meaning. I might have to pick up my cross and follow him. When Jesus says, I'm going to Jerusalem and I'm going to suffer many things and I'm going to be executed and I'll die on a cross, as Jesus' followers, they heard there's a high likelihood that I'm going to follow him and pick up that same kind of cross and be executed in that same way. One, one scholar said that discipleship is a life of at least potential martyrdom. Discipleship is a life of at least potential martyrdom. You know, we don't put that in our flyers at church. Right? We say, oh, we have a great children's ministry. Come for the student ministry. Stay for the pizza party. Right? Have a small group. You're going to have meet some great friends. We don't talk about often this cost that Jesus lays out for his followers. You know, it's a cost that's real in our world. Last Sunday, as we gathered to worship at Jesus on Easter Sunday, there were other believers all around the world gathering to worship Jesus on Easter Sunday. In Sri Lanka, three churches were attacked and bombed, and over 250 people died, largely, I guess, for the sole reason of choosing to worship Jesus on Easter Sunday. You know, we don't often think about or anticipate that cost, that ultimate cost in our life, and we probably ought not often think about it. You know, I think we ought to more often think about when Jesus says you need to lose your life in order to find it. Think about the smaller ways that he chose to lose his life leading up to that ultimate loss of his life on the cross. You know, we talk about the small acts of service that Jesus carried out. Like in that upper room at the Last Supper when he washed his disciples' feet, even the feet of Judas who would betray him. You know, these small acts of service that we can lose ourselves to others in all the time. I think it's right for us to think mostly about those opportunities to lose our life to others just like Jesus did. But the cost of following after Jesus is not a, is not a light one. It's not an easy uh, relationship to carry on. But if we set ourselves ahead of that relationship, see, that's the other choice in this equation here. For whoever would save his life, that word save, it, it really has the intention, the idea in, in the Greek of, of promoting yourself putting yourself in the front of the line. I need to be first. I need to be best. And, and, and if we want to do that, instead of losing ourselves, we'll, we'll lose all of life. For what, what will it profit a man in verse 26 if he gains the whole world, if he's in front of the line, if he promotes himself and forfeits his life? Or what shall a man give in return for his life? we make this trade all the time. The largest library in the world is the uh, Library of Congress in Washington, D.C. If you, if you studied history just a little bit, you know that it's not the original Library of Congress, right? The original Library of Congress, right? at one point there's a fire, war and a fire, and the Library of Congress is lost to this fire, and so Thomas Jefferson donates his personal library. It's sort of this really cool thinking about new life and new beginnings. It's this new beginning for the Library of Congress. Jefferson donates his personal library for this, uh, to, to the nation for the Library of Congress. And in Jefferson's uh, personal library at the time, there were two Bibles. One Bible was, was the, the very first printing of, of the Bible that carried uh, chapter numbers and verse numbers in it. You know, uh, when you read the original Greek, there are no verse numbers, there are no chapter numbers in the Bible. And and at some point, somebody thought, we need to figure out a way to be able to study this better. And so we're going to put some chapters, and we're going to put some numbers, and we're going to break it up like that. And so there's a Bible like that, and I wonder if that uh, inspired Jefferson to print his own Bible, because he did. And in this Bible, he uh, looks at the Gospels and he takes all the teachings of Jesus and he places those in the Bible. He says, these are important. But then he cuts out the miracles, right? He, he didn't believe in any miracle. So anything miraculous, he leaves out of his Gospels. So if Jesus taught a lesson in a, a setting of a miracle, the lesson stayed, but the miracle went. So at the end of of his gospel, there's the week leading up to Jesus' death and resurrection, and you just get Jesus on a cross and he dies. We trade in what makes sense to us for what is really valuable all the time. New life means losing your life. Let's let's look at principle number three. Uh, New life means being present in his kingdom. For the Son of Man in verse 27 is going to come with his angels in the glory of his Father, and then he'll repay each person according to what he has done. Truly, I say to you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. So, there's some really interesting things as we think about being present in his kingdom. The first is that Jesus is going to return. There's this amazing promise that he's coming back. And when he comes back again, everyone will know it in his Father's glory it'll be clear, it'll be present. When, when Jesus arrived as an infant the first time, you know, a few shepherds were made aware, right? And there's this growing knowledge of Jesus. Jesus will come as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. It'll be clear to everyone. He'll come as judge to repay each person according to what he has done. But the great news is is that He's made a way for us to be on that team, to be in His family. Truly, I say to you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the Son of Man coming in His kingdom. So however you understand that, whether you understand that as disciples seeing Jesus' post-resurrection appearances, or you understand that as a few of his friends seeing Jesus at at the transfiguration, or however you understand the statement, understand that it's this invitation to be a part of his family, to be a part of his team, to have this new life leading in this new direction with this new purpose, this ultimate destination of an eternity in his presence in paradise in heaven how amazing is that you know i, I think about that pile of mulch and, and uh, the crazy thing is is that I, I i scooped up that mulch and i put it in the trailer and i moved it to another spot and you know what i did i just moved one pile to another pile you know what we're gonna have to do eventually we're gonna have to move that pile and sometimes in life that's what it feels like We're just kind of moving stuff from one pile to another. This new life with Jesus offers us this ultimate direction and this ultimate purpose and this ultimate promise. Then when we give in to him, we can be with him forever in paradise. There's no more moving piles. Grab hold of that promise today. Let's stand and worship him.